to share a story from my own experience, and it's not 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 a fun one. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun story, but my goal with the podcast is to break down stigma, break down taboo, and make people feel less lonely for being human. Okay. Okay. One, two, ready, go. Welcome to the Called to be Bad podcast. My name is Mariah Martin, and I feel called to be bad. It turns out I'm not the only one. Join us as we dig into all things bad, scandalous, deviant, you know, the stuff that makes good church folks squirm in the sanctuary. Why? Well, because sometimes the scandalous is spiritual, deviant is divine, and bad is beautiful. Say yes to the call and let's see what holy trouble we get into today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bad Thoughts with Mariah. Today, our guest is the adorable Millie. Uh, Millie is a chicken. (laughs) She is uh, a mill floor duckle. Um, That's her breed. Uh, And she's a very friendly chicken. She's very chill. So we'll see how long she allows me to hold her while I talk. So today's topic is going to be a little bit different Uh, because I normally have guests. I don't often share like from my own experiences or my own stories. Uh, I guess I share some, but like it's not usually like the topic of the entire podcast. I'm going to share a story from my own experience and it's not a not a not a fun one. Yeah, it's not it's not a fun story, but my goal with the podcast is to break down stigma, break down taboo, and make people feel less lonely for being human. I have told this story or if I or if I've heard someone else share a similar story, it has made me feel seen and heard and better and not quite so alone in this. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. And, uh, I talked with Nick and, cause it's not really just my story. I mean, most, mostly it's me, but it's not just my story. Uh, and Nick was fine with, um, me talking about it. So thank you, Millie. First, before I go through my story, I want to offer a content warning. October is National Pregnancy Loss and Miscarriage Awareness Month, and I will be talking about my own miscarriage, which was actually not a pregnancy loss, but we'll get into that. And so just a content warning, I will be talking about blood and miscarriages and a lot of things that are considered taboo um, because uh, women's bodies or people that have uteruses, their bodies are um, stigmatized, and we're going to break that down, and we're going to talk about it, um, because this is often something that um, people who go through a miscarriage uh, deal with alone, and uh, it can feel very isolating. So, Let's get into it, as the YouTubers say. I'll start off by saying my miscarriage story is not like most um, miscarriages in that uh, Nick and I were not trying to become pregnant. We, I, we, (laughs) I had an IUD and it's considered one of the most effective forms of birth control. 
Um, yeah, so I had an IUD, was not trying to get pregnant, and it was about two Christmases ago. Nick and I were on our way to Colorado to visit my family, to visit my parents, <laughs> and, um, well, thank you. Anything else? In Newcastle, Colorado, and, um... We were taking the train. We love to take the train because, uh, especially in winter, going through the mountains, uh, especially from Denver to Glenwood Springs, it feels like you've stepped into Narnia. Like, it's so beautiful. It's just like a winter wonderland. So we were taking the train out. I had been on my period. It was considered late, but it was, it's pretty normal. It was normal, at least for me, on the IUD for my periods to be irregular. So I wasn't, like, concerned about that at all. And we were about to, like, settle in for the night um, because we were sleeping overnight on the train. And I was like, well, I should go to the bathroom first. And then I didn't leave the train bathroom for about four hours. If you've ever been on a train, the toilets, so it's like toilet and then sink right to your right. It's very small. So I was sitting on the toilet in having the worst cramps of my entire life. Um, it was way beyond anything I had ever experienced before. Um, and I was in so much pain that I, I was sitting there, I was bleeding, I, and then I would lean over into the sink and throw up because I was in so much pain. This was, like, bad enough that I was like, I think something's wrong with me. I think this is not just, like, period cramps. And, um, although when I talked to my sister, she was like, well, when was the last time, like, you had, like, a real, like, heavy period? Like, have you just forgotten what period cramps feel like? So that just shows you, like, how painful having periods can be. So I was literally in there for four hours, cramping, bleeding, throwing up. Um, Nick came and gave me crackers and ibuprofen, and then I promptly threw those up, and it was just awful. Um, eventually, it subsided, and I was able to go sleep. We got to Colorado, and I just, like, I wasn't bleeding as much, but it was still some. And then that entire week, I felt so off. I felt, like, just, like, nauseous and, like, tired. I was, like, complaining about this to my mom. And my mom was like, well, what if you're pregnant? And Sierra, my sister, was in there and she was like, mom, don't say that. Sorry, I scared Millie. Don't say that. Don't freak, don't freak her out. Um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that, that's just not possible. That's crazy. <laughs> And, um, so in another strange series of events, we were going for a walk and my mom fell and broke her pinky. And, uh, it's not funny. I don't know why I giggled, <laughs> but I don't know. Sorry. Um, and, uh, so, okay. What is kind of funny is that on the way back from the emergency room, after they had gone to take care of her pinky, they stopped by a a convenience store and bought pregnancy tests. So then they got home and I remember it was the longest night um, and I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I just remember like looking at it, like shaking, like this is not happening. This is not happening. Like this is, you know, this was not in the plan. And I was mainly concerned, like if I'm bleeding like this, then I think something's wrong you know, like this, I don't think you should be bleeding like this if you're pregnant. Um, and so my mom talked to her OB friend and, uh, she wanted me to come in right away. And so I went in that next day and, um, they did 
um, a pregnancy test and my HCG, or it's like a hormonal level that, uh, you test when you're testing for pregnancy. Um, (laughs) that was very high. And she's like, yeah, you're, you're pregnant. Um, and then, uh, um, then they did an ultrasound and on the ultrasound, all she saw from what I remember, she called it, um, Oh, she called it an empty gestational sac. And she said with how high my um, hormonal levels are were, they should have seen like a heartbeat. There should have been like a spinal column and there was just like nothing there. So she was like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, you've had a miscarriage. And Nick and I were like, like we didn't, we didn't know how to respond because we weren't trying to become pregnant. And then like, but for like a day, I thought I was pregnant and it was just like, it was just a lot. And so we're, like, just, like, reacting to what was happening and just, like, okay, what are the next steps? And then basically she, um, yeah, she just wanted to clear out the tissue that was there. And so they started doing that, and it was uncomfortable, but it was, like, manageable. And then they um, were going to remove the IUD because the IUD had moved up into my uterus. And um, I learned through this process, I have a very strange shaped uterus. Apparently it's like bent, I'm like bending my fingers. It's bent over like kind of like a C. And so the IUD had gone like around the corner and was like tucked in there. And so it was very difficult. There was like seven people in the room around me um, while I'm like spread eagle and they're trying to get this IUD out. And, um, and so they're dilating my cervix to try to get it out. That starts hurting more and more. I start sweating. Nick was like holding my hand. He was like so sweet. And then he was like, she's in pain. She's in pain. And, and so she was like, well, we can sedate you. And, remove it um like surgically and I was like no try one more time and then they got it out and everyone in the room cheered um I came back from Colorado and uh I was still bleeding I just kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding I bled for like a month straight and I was amazed at how depressed and lethargic and like all I wanted to do was take a bath I didn't want to work I felt like all of my creative energy went into like creating this thing that was not even a baby it was just like an overabundance of tissue it was never going to become a baby they made that very clear they were like this is not an abortion you are not aborting this this is you're not killing a baby and I was like okay (laughs) all right um got it and, uh, yeah, I felt like all my creative energy got put into that thing. And I was so, there was one time that, um, I was sitting on the toilet and I was crying cause I was tired of bleeding. And then I was blowing my nose cause my nose was running, um, because I was crying and then I got a bloody nose and then I started crying even harder. Cause I was like, I'm bleeding from both ends. Like this is the worst. Um, yeah, that was not fun. And then there was the time. So I took a lot of baths because I was just like not feeling well. And then I was in the bath and they say like you will pass blood clots. Um, and man, they're not kidding. Those things are huge. And like, if you like, yeah, it, it's not fetal tissue, but it's just like, it's still like kind of weirds you out that it's like, okay, there's like this large bloody clot So anyways, I was in the bathtub and then all of a sudden I like passed two blood clots 
And it was like, I, it, I was like sitting there and I just started cracking up laughing because I was like, I am in a literal bloodbath right now. Like the water, so like, you know, when, when blood gets in, well, I don't know if you know this, but when blood gets in water, it just like dies, like the whole thing gets really red. So it literally looked like I was in a pool of my own blood. And I was like, this is every like, my foot was stuck. This is uh, like, it was just, it was like, the, it was like from a horror movie. Uh, like it was just so bloody. And I was just sitting there like, okay, this is my life now. I am sitting in a pool of my own blood. And I was so sick of bleeding. There was so much blood. I was so done with it. And and I didn't know what was normal. I didn't know how long it would take. Like I kept looking online, like how long does it take for a miscarriage to like clear out? Um, and uh, I don't know. I just kept feeling like something else was wrong. Um, and I remember one time I was staying in the kitchen and it just felt like there was like a gush of blood, like, so much that it, like, went down in my shoe, like, dripped all the way down. I was like, this is not, this doesn't feel right. And so I called, uh, I called the, my gynecologist, and she said to come in the next day. And so they did a, another ultrasound, and that experience, oh my gosh, it took forever. They did two different types. It, it felt like at least a half an hour, um, per one. And I was just staring at the ceiling in silence. Like the, um, ultrasound tech didn't say anything. Um, I just laid there and looked at the ceiling. I was like, when was the last time I have done nothing for an hour straight? And like, my brain was just like going hundred miles a minute. And the tech asked me, she's like, so is this your first pregnancy? And I was like, um, yes, but I didn't know how to explain like, yeah, technically this is my first pregnancy, but I shouldn't be pregnant anymore. Like it was a miscarriage. There shouldn't be anything there. I'm like, am I still pregnant? And then later that day I got a call from my doctor and she literally was like, I just got your HCG results back and they're still really high. Are you still pregnant? And I was like, um, I hope not. Like what? It was so weird. Eventually after what felt like too long of a time, I got a call back um, they said that the hospital and the gynecologist's office were having a hard time with their technology um, and sending things back and forth. And uh, um, and so eventually they got back to me and said that what I was experiencing was a molar pregnancy. So there are two types of molar pregnancies. There's a partial molar pregnancy and a complete molar pregnancy. A partial molar means that there was an egg released uh, with DNA from the um, uh, mom or person with a uterus, and this egg was implanted either with one sperm that duplicated its DNA, um, so one, so there's two sets of DNA in the egg, or with two sperm. So again, there's two sets of DNA. Um, and a complete molar means that there's no DNA from the mom, but the same thing happened with the sperm, that there's two sets of DNA from either two sperm or one sperm that duplicated. And it's a molar pregnancy is caused by a chromosomal anomaly that develops into abnormal placenta tissue, which looks on an ultrasound like grape-like cysts or a honeycomb structure. Um, so a complete molar, I'm reading here, a complete molar pregnancy has a 2-3% to chance of turning into a rare uterine cancer. 
which is very treatable with chemotherapy. Um, and apparently the first place this cancer presents is in the chest or lungs. So then when I did go and get a DNC, which is to clear out any of the pregnancy tissue, um, they had me do a chest x-ray to look for uh, any signs of cancer. Um, and so after, so about one in 1,000 pregnancies are molar pregnancies. And after you have a molar pregnancy, your chances of having another one increase to one in 100 or one in 50 pregnancies. But you can also conceive normally. Um, So you can't really say if this will affect your fertility in the future. And um, I was scheduled for a DNC procedure. Um, and I remember my doctor told me, like, the day of the DNC just to, like, um, stay home and, uh, lay in bed and watch Netflix all day, and I was like, yeah, I like this doctor, she's, she's cool. Um, and, uh, I told her when I was going in, Nick was trying to, like, cheer me up, and he was being funny, and so he said, he's like, man, those doctors, those nurses, it is their lucky day. They're going to have the best day ever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, Mariah, they get to be in your vagina. And I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. And but I told that to the doctor and she just thought that that was the funniest thing. She's like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've heard in forever. Can I tell that to my colleagues? And I was like, yes, that's fine. Um, and so, uh, yeah. They go in, they scrape the lining of your uterus, they clear out all the tissue. What do you see? That's the sound for, hey, there's something happening. She probably saw a bird. It's okay. Yeah, so it all went as planned. They put me on um, a very strong form of birth control. It's a shot called Depo-Provera, and I was instructed that I cannot get pregnant for a year after this uh, molar pregnancy because they want your HCG or hormonal levels to return to zero and stay there so that they know that there is no cancerous growth. And so if you would become pregnant, that would throw it off and um, you would have a higher HCG level and they wouldn't know if it was an actual baby or if it was cancer. So you're not allowed to get pregnant for a year. And I had to go in for weekly um, blood draws to measure my HCG levels. And then I think eventually it was monthly, but it was a lot of blood draws. And then every three months I got the, um, Debra Pereira shot in my arm. Um, anyways, the DNC went fine and I felt better almost like immediately and I stopped bleeding. So yeah, that's my story. Someday I'll write a really great The Bleeding Woman sermon about it. Um, I decided I can, I wanted, I was kind of tempted to do it after the DNC, but I was like, this is too soon. I, I can't do this. Like, even though we weren't trying to have a baby, like it was still like (sighs) a not fun experience. And I was amazed at how upset I was at the idea of accidentally getting pregnant. Like, it felt like a very irresponsible thing, even though I was not being irresponsible at all. Like, and, like, I just felt that stigma of, oh, you don't get, you don't get pregnant accidentally, because that's, like, sinful. And, like, just this whole idea of, like, having sex being bad, and that I was somehow bad because I got pregnant 
I had this like unwanted pregnancy. And I also felt like body dysmorphia. Like it felt like this thing was happening to my body. Like I was not in control of my body. Like my body was not my own anymore. Very odd feeling. Um, I did not enjoy it. And um, yeah, it very much took away the um, kind of like innocent naivete that can sometimes come with like a first pregnancy of like, everything's going to be fine. My, per- my baby's going to be perfect. Nothing can go wrong. And so now, because the next time I get pregnant, like the question will be like, is this a molar pregnancy or is it not? Will I miscarry? Will I not? So yeah, I just wanted to take this, um, bad thoughts with Mariah time to raise a little bit of awareness of a kind of uncommon form of miscarriage. Uh, If you have experienced a miscarriage or a molar pregnancy and you want to chat about it, if you want to share your story with me, um, I would gladly either talk with you over email or um, talk in person or Zoom or whatever. Um, Yeah, reach out. I'd love, I, well, I don't love that for you, but um, I would love to connect um, over this. So, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. And next time, let's talk about some vampires, which also involves blood, but in a different way. I don't know what that means, but something. Okay, Millie, we'll go reunite you with everybody else. Bye, everybody. That's all for this episode of Called to be Bad. Keep being your bad, beautiful selves, and I will see you next time.